Once again, I want to welcome you each to church, to this time together that we've set aside to just learn and grow with one another. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Covenant, and it's always, for me, it's always a joy to be able to be up here, to be able to teach, and to be able to share that, all that God has been moving in my spirit throughout this time, and, and my hope is that it resonates with each one of you as we continue in our time together now, we continue on in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, we've come to a passage that asks the question, what about judging others? Before we get into it, I just want to share that I think it's no coincidence that God is bringing us through the Sermon on the Mount during this season where we as a people, we as a nation, where we as a church, we really need a regrounding in kingdom thinking and in kingdom living, as citizens of the kingdom of God. We're experiencing now in our culture, like a cultural reboot, where there are so many things that are changing, so many things that we are now doing differently, and one of those things is church. So as we are in the midst of this cultural reboot, changing the way that we live life, changing the way even that we do church, I think it's pretty awesome that God is leading our church through the Sermon on the Mount, the fundamentals of kingdom living. So I just wanted to point that out. I, th I think it's, it's so cool to see God working and moving through this season and through our church as well. But it's also awesome and humbling to be a part of a church that's open to receptive to God's leading and the, the Holy Spirit's prompting. I'm blown away by that, by how God is also moving in the hearts of the people of our church, bringing us to a point to where we, we can receive what he is showing us, what he's revealing to us, and what he's teaching us. So with that, we continue on in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and we ask the question, what about judging others. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, first and foremost, we submit to your authority. We submit to your kingdom. God, it's our heart's desires that, that we are aligned with your will. However you're moving, whatever you have going on, Father, we want to be right there in stride with your spirit, step for step. So we surrender to your authority. We ask now that you would fill us, that you would teach us, that you would show us your ways. God, reveal your will to us as we look at this portion of Jesus' teaching. So we look to your holy written word. God, would you reveal yourself to us? We're open. Soften our hearts. Help us to come before you now with hearts just wide open, ready to receive your will, your love, your direction. God, it's our prayer that we see your kingdom move through our church. 
God, and we acknowledge that this is only made possible through the mighty, mighty sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of your Holy Spirit in us. And it's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. So in our time together, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. So let's dive right in, starting with verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now I want you all to, when you read that verse, tell me what's the first thing that comes to mind? What's the first thought that comes to mind? Because I'll share with you, for the longest time, I would read this verse. And you know what I think of? I think of that old adage, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Do not judge or you too will be judged, right? It has that same sort of feeling to it. It has that same sort of if this, then that. Or maybe even there's a a little bit of um, karma sort of injected into that idea. They're similar, right? They sound very similar. But right off the bat, when we're, answering, when we're asking the question, what about judging others? What Jesus is teaching is not karma. And what he's teaching in these first two verses is not a this or that principle. What he's doing in regards to judgment, what he's saying here is he is leveling the playing field. He's saying, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. He's leveling the playing field. When it comes to judgment, what Jesus is doing is he's reminding us that we all are under God's judgment, each and every one of us. And as we look to one another, and as we relate with one another, it's important for us to remember that. It's, it's humbling. Take a look at what Paul writes in Romans 2. In Romans 2, verses 1 through 3, Paul's writing to Rome. He's basically settling a di- dispute between the Jews and the Gentiles of that day. And he says, You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, For at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment is against those who do such things, against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Once again, Paul, what he's doing here is he's leveling the playing field. And he's reminding us that that God's judgment cuts right to the core. It gets right to the heart. And Paul's cutting right to the core. He later writes in Romans Romans 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, leveling the playing field. What Paul is calling out between the Jews and Gentiles of that day is that they are all on an equal plane before God. And it's the same for us today. 
We ask, what about judging others? Jesus lets us know right off the bat, you have no right to judge. No right to condemn. Because it's a level playing field. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's the same for us today. We do the same things. We're idolaters. We're immoral. We sin against God every day. Thankfully, Paul continues to write that it's, it's God's grace and kindness in that sin that then leads us to repentance. So what about judging others? What Jesus is reminding us is this, that judgment belongs to God, not us. What about judging others? We have no right to judge. We have no right to condemn. Judgment belongs to God, not us. All have sinned. We are all on a level playing field. So what then are we to practically learn from this teaching? If judgment belongs to God, not us, what do we learn from this teaching? What do we do with those moments where we, we find ourselves wanting to confront another person? We find ourselves wanting to speak truth. As I've read through this passage, I believe what, what Jesus is teaching is this, is spiritual discernment. We have no right to judge others. We have no right to condemn others. We all have sinned. But what Jesus is teaching is there is such thing as spiritual discernment. That, that's actually part of the word translated from the Greek for judgment is discernment. Or to separate or to distinguish. There's, there's some portions of scripture where um, where th this same word is used to discern which direction a ship should sail. So we have no right to judge others, but there is such thing that, that Jesus is teaching about, that spiritual discernment. And I believe that in the remainder of this passage, Jesus is teaching discernment in two directions. First, in inward, self-discernment. And secondly, in outward, the discernment of others. So let's hop back in to Matthew 7 and look at verses, now look at verses 3 through 5. Jesus sets the, 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 the plane that, that we cannot judge one another. But then he starts to speak into spiritual discernment and what that looks like. So starting in verse 3, he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck 
from your brother's eye. Let's break down what Jesus is saying here. I love this NIV translation because it really emphasizes the image, the imagery of what Jesus is using. He's talking about a speck of sawdust compared to a plank. He's comparing sawdust in your brother's eye to the plank in your own eye. There's me and there's my brother. There's a board that I'm ignoring in my own eye, yet I feel the need to point out or be critical of the speck of dust in my brother's eye. Jesus calls that out as being a hypocrite and then instructs us to first take the plank out of our own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Two things jump out at me as I read this. First is this, I could not see clearly with a board in my own eye. How clearly could I even identify a speck in my brother's eye if I have a board in my own eye? It makes me wonder, like, with a board in my own eye, Am I even in, in the state to evaluate what I might see as a speck in my brother's eye? So the first thing that jumps out is I could not see clearly with a board in my own eye. The second is this. When you look at those verses, if you look back at Matthew 7, 3 through 5, if you look at the end of those verses, can you go back to the last slide? Thank you. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The goal in what, de- in what Jesus is teaching here, the goal is promoting unity. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's prompting unity. Jesus is not telling us to remove the plank from our own eye just to avoid judgment or to make our life any easier. No, it's so that we can help another, so that we could see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The underlying act of love here, of grace here, really that permeates all of the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus is teaching. Promotes unity. It promotes kingdom living. So what is the point of this passage? Is an inward discernment. Jesus is calling that out as a hypocrite. Remove the board from your own eyes so that you can see clearly, promoting unity. What then? That means this inward discernment moves towards building up in love. Jesus is teaching discernment in two directions, one of them inward, and what he's teaching is that an inward discernment of our own hearts, an inward examination of our own heart within the economy of, of kingdom living is going to promote unity. It's going to promote healing. It's going to promote a one-anothering so that we can come alongside one another. We can help one another in removing the specks from our brother's eyes. There's unity there. So an inward discernment moves towards building up in love. 
what's, what's, what's awesome is, is I find that when I'm, when I'm preparing to teach or when I'm preparing to share with the church, God, more often than not, would, would, will insert something in my life that only helps emphasize what he's teaching. And he did that uh, over this past week. I had the privilege of marrying a couple from our church. And this was a couple that I've come alongside uh, for quite some time. This is a couple that I've come alongside them in some pretty deep, dark valleys in their relationship. So much so that when I heard that they were getting married, uh, I'll be honest, I had some reservations. I wanted to sit, I wanted to meet with them, I wanted to make sure that they're, they're, they were healthy relationally as they took this next step of commitment. So I got together with them and I sat with them and what normally was a finger pointing match and what normally was calling out each other's faults quickly shifted. I sat with them before their wedding, getting, preparing for their wedding and what I was blown away was by was that, that as we began to talk and as they began to share, everything they started to share was directed inward. They started sharing all the things that they were learning about themselves, all the brokenness that they were learning about themselves personally, all the brokenness that they were learning that they contributed to the relationship and the, and the brokenness and the disharmony of the relationship. Inward discernment, moving towards building up in love. I thought that was a great example of God using that inward discernment to come alongside one another, to promote unity, to promote harmony within the kingdom of God. Let's move on. Verse six. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What on earth is this verse saying? What on earth is Jesus teaching us? This imagery here is so wild. But I think it's clear who Jesus is referring to, who Jesus is possibly calling out as dogs and pigs. All throughout the gospel, Jesus doesn't hold back when talking about the religious leaders of that day who were misleading the people of God. So I wouldn't be hard-pressed to think that Jesus had these religious leaders in mind. And quick contextual lesson here is dogs in, in the time that, these, that Jesus was teaching was nowhere near the domesticated house pets that we have today. Dogs in those days were seen as like half wild scavengers. So Jesus is warning that there will be those people who are unwilling to accept these sacred pearls, maybe ready to trample these sacred pearls. What is he talking about? He's talking about the good news of the gospel. He's talking about God's mercy, God's grace, God's love. 
He's talking about the unity that's found in the kingdom. What is he instructing us to do? How is he instructing us to discern? What he's saying is that there are some times that we're going to withhold these things from people who adamantly oppose it. There are going to be times that we withhold these truths, that we withhold these sacred things, that we withhold these pearls from those people who are going to trample them under their feet and be ready to turn and then tear us to pieces. Wild imagery. How do we live that out? How do we find balance? How do we discern between witnessing and withholding? Thankfully, we can look at what Jesus did. In Luke 23, verses 1 to 11. This is after Jesus was arrested, before he was crucified, and he was being brought before the Roman head of that day, said then the whole assembly rose and led him off, led Jesus off to Pilate, the Roman ruler of that day. And they began to accuse him in front of Pilate saying, we have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and he claims to be Messiah, the king. Verse three, it says, so Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Basically what he's saying is what you're saying is true. Goes on to say in verse four, then Pilate announced to the chief priest and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, not the Herod of the Christmas story, but this is actually that Herod's grandson, a long line of Herods were kings of Judea. When he found out that he, Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some sort of sign. Look at verse, verse 9. It says, Herod says he plied him with many questions, meaning he just started to spray off all of these questions, almost in a rhythmical kind of way. Starts just badgering Jesus with questions. Look what it says. It says, Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Finally, in verse 11, it says, Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe, and they sent him back to Pilate, ultimately to be crucified. As I read this, I don't see, I don't sense contempt from Jesus. He's not standing before for Herod, biting his tongue while fuming. I actually sense compassion, even, maybe even heartache 
Forgive them for they know not what they do, right? He's discerning their heart and he's not contributing to, he's not stirring up their hate. If anything, I, I sense compassion towards his enemies. But here, Jesus gives us two examples of that outward discernment. When asked by Pilate, sincere and honest question, he gives an answer. When mocked and accused and ridiculed and ready to be torn to pieces by Herod, he gives no answer. He does not contribute to, he does not stir up hate. He remains silent and he guards against it. And this isn't, by the way, this isn't discrimination by Jesus of the religious leaders of that day. Jesus isn't just, just because Herod, the chief priest and the teachers of the law who are standing there with him, just because they were the, the false teachers of that day, Jesus isn't discriminating against them. Jesus is discerning right to their heart. So you have to remember in, in John 3, another one of these religious leaders requested to meet Jesus in the middle of the night, and he starts asking Jesus all of these sincere questions. How does one become born again? Jesus then goes on to answer him with probably the most quoted scripture in all of the Bible, John 3.16. So this isn't Jesus just discriminating towards a people. Jesus is discerning their heart. And he's not going to give what is holy before dogs. He's not going to cast pearls before pigs who are just waiting to trample on them and then to turn and to tear him to pieces. Two scenarios of discernment here. One inward, one outward. What's Jesus teaching us? One, that an inward discernment moves towards building up in love. Secondly, an outward discernment can guard against stirring up hate. Within kingdom living, within the economy of kingdom living, this is how discernment can work. If we are going to be kingdom citizens, what Jesus is teaching through all of the Sermon on the Mount is how to be kingdom citizens. When we ask the question, what about judging others? What about discernment? What are we to do in these situations? One where we have to approach a brother in love and humility so that we can remove the speck from their eyes so that we can come alongside them in their struggles and their growth. That inward discernment. Another where we may be meeting opposition. There may be those who are ready to attack. There may be those who don't hold sacred those things that we hold sacred. What do we do? We don't lash out in judgment. Just like in the first, we don't turn to our brother in judgment and we come to them in humility. And what about those 
dogs and those pigs. We don't lash out in judgment. We guard against stirring up hate. If anything, we have compassion for them. Church, how relevant is this teaching today? We're in the middle of a cultural moment, a cultural reboot, where we can ask of so many things, what are we doing? Let's ask ourselves this, are we moving towards one another, building up in love? Are we moving towards one another in humility? Or are we contributing to stirring up hate? We can easily sound judgmental by what we say. These are two examples of ways that we can come off as judgmental. Coming alongside a brother or sister to help them. Or confronted with hate and opposition. No, we need to be reminded that judgment belongs to God, not us. Not us. And we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit as we continue to respond in love, examining our hearts in every moment. What does that look like for us today in this cultural moment where we could, the things we say could so easily come off as being judgmental? in the conversations that we're having, in our opinions. What can we learn from this? Examining our hearts in every moment. As citizens of the kingdom of God, within God's economy, how things work within the kingdom of God. Each one of these, these lessons, each one of these teachings from the Sermon of the Mount, causing us to examine our hearts. Because here's the hope. We can take all that we've talked about in our time together, all that we've talked about thus far in our Sermon on the Mount series. We can frame it within the kingdom, within the character of God, Where does that leave us? What is the main theme? What is the constant thread through it all? Through all of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the shift in perspective. Built on a foundation of faith, hope, and love. It's a shift in perspective. The Sermon on the Mount isn't a self-help talk that teaches us how to deal with different situations. What we've learned about in our time together today isn't, like I said, it's, it's not a self-help, 20 ways to make your life easier. God's instructing us on how to live within God's kingdom. It's meant to change the way we perceive all that we experience. All that we experience in life as kingdom citizens part of kingdom living. Kingdom living isn't about just getting by. It's not just about dealing with life. It's about aligning our lives and aligning our will 
with the transforming power of who God is and all that he's doing. Only made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. All of this, all that we're learning, this ability to discern in either of these scenarios is only made power possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, the good news of the gospel, and it's contagious. The gospel moves through kingdom living like wildfire. Why do we do these things? Why do we look to these teachings? Why do we try and align our lives and our hearts with these teachings within this current cultural moment? How do we take this little bit on judging others, on discerning others? And how do we live that out within God's kingdom? Because when we do, it's the, it's the gospel moving through our church. And, it's, and it spreads like wildfire. It's contagious. It's my hope that each one of you, it's my hope that us as a church, that we continue to see God bring about his kingdom, kingdom living through Community Covenant Church. Can we take a moment now and we, can we just pray that God continues to open our eyes to what it looks like to be kingdom citizens, how to take each one of these important teachings from Jesus and allow them to just cut us right to the core and allow them to shift our perspective as, as we then turn outward to the world around us, to the communities around us, to this, this, this cultural reboot that we find ourselves in, this season that we find ourselves in, not just as people or nation, but as a church. Let's take a moment to pray that God continues to move his kingdom through Community Covenant Church.